0: sunset sky but my one request lord my only aim is that you reign in me again lord reign in me reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour you are the lord of all i am so won't you reign in my life reflect the beauty of my lord cause you mean more to me than any earthly thing so won't you reign in me again lord reign in me reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour you are the lord of all i am so won't you reign my darkest hour. You are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? You are Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Sing aloud to God, let the people shout before His throne. Hallelujah, sing aloud to God, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah hallelujah unto the Lord. From the ends of the earth, from the depths of the sea, let all creation praise his name. From the ends of the earth, from the the depths depths of the sea, let all creation praise His name. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah hallelujah unto the Lord. Rising of the sun till the sun goes down. Let the name of the Lord be praised. We're gathered to worship. We're gathered to worship. Becoming a choir to sing your praise. Lifting our voices. Lifting our voices. Joining our hearts in this house today. People, People of God. People of God. until the sun goes down, let the name of the Lord be praised. From the rising of the sun till the sun goes down, let the name of the Lord be praised. From the sky to the dead. from the Into shining your light in the darkest place. People of God, God. God.
1: refiner's I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my Master, ready to do your will, Refiners Fire.
2: Preston Crest, we are glad that you are with us this morning. I'm Mike Pipkin, one of the elders here. We want to welcome you to the 1045 service here at Preston Crest and thank you for joining us in person. And for those of you that are joining us virtually, thanking you uh, for joining us there. If you do have a moment and you've got your smartphone available, please text the word check-in to the number that's on the screen. I also want to call to your attention to our new uh, pewback cards that have a number of things that you can use your smartphone for to scan the code and enter uh, enter information, uh, especially if you're visiting with us, there's a place for you to uh, to scan in and, and note your attendance with us. We're just thankful for everyone who is here and joining us uh, at Preston Crest this morning, whether in person or virtually. Um, few things that we want to bring to your attention. We have been talking quite a bit over the last several weeks about our 50th anniversary celebration that is coming up on March 27. Let me we're starting to really put some meat on the bone with respect to that. So I want to call to your attention to a few things. First of all, we're going to have one worship service on March 27 at 10 a.m. obviously here in this auditorium. Uh, it was It was mentioned earlier, you might have a chance to uh, maybe sleep in a little bit that morning. I would suggest that if you want a seat, you might not want to sleep in that morning. You, if, you, if you are, I'm, I'm normally a, an 8.30 worship uh, person and we've got our row. I'm not going to tell you what that row is, but we've got our row. We're going to make sure that we're here and we're on our row because it's very disconcerting to not be in your row. But we anticipate a full house. Uh, I think this is going to be a glorious morning for God, an opportunity to raise our praises and to raise the roof here with the singing that we're going to be doing. Uh, following our, our worship service, we're going to have a catered lunch. We're going to have a tent set up in the parking lot, and Blue Mesa will be, uh, will be served uh, for all those that are in attendance. Additionally we're asking and if you have the opportunity to do this uh, there's you can see a barcode on your screen there's also a barcode that uh, is in your in your bulletin as well if you can provide homemade cookies for us to distribute to uh, everyone that is here please do that one of the things that's fairly unusual that is also though in connection with our 50th anniversary is Robert Rigdon and his unusual uh, rig that he's got here that's doing some videoing. So uh, just act natural while you're, uh, while you're around Robert in the, in the videos that he's doing. We want to thank everyone who participated last week in our Fajita fundraiser for the, the youth mission trips. We raised over $12,000 to go for their mission trip expenses. We're so thankful to each one of you and your generosity for that. <clears throat> we are mindful of the situation that is going on in the Ukraine right now. It is clearly occupying our minds and our hearts. It's, it's, it's filling us with concern uh, that, that carries into our everyday conversation and our everyday lives. Uh, the elders uh, note and acknowledge this, and we also know that there are many of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in harm's way in the Ukraine right now. Uh, the elders will be over the next week, uh, touching, reaching out, and and, uh, and touching some of those op- some of those potential uh, giving opportunities that we may have to help our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Uh, this time next week, we're going to have some uh, particular uh, projects that we're going to be able to to highlight, and then to give you the opportunity to give generously uh, to those uh, uh, to those ministries excuse me, those ministries that serve in the Ukraine. We'll have that for you next week. Let's go to our Father in prayer as we continue our time in worship. Dear God in heaven, we are thankful for this body of believers here at Preston Crest. We are thankful for the way that you have blessed us over the last 50 years, the sharing of the gospel in this place, The the praise to you for in song and for the good works that you've enabled us to do, we are thankful for that. Lord, as we look forward for the vision for this congregation, Lord, help your vision to be our vision. Bless our good works here at Preston Crest in the days and years to come. Lord, as we, as we continue to, to work for and share our vision, we just ask that you and your spirit intervene in each and every way. Lord, we're especially mindful right now for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, for all of the souls that are souls of yours, built in your image and made in your image, that are in harm's way in the, in Ukraine. Lord, we just ask for you to intervene. We ask your blessing of protection on all those that are in, in the in the middle of what's happening in Ukraine. For those that are able to flee, we ask your blessing and protection and, and for hospitality on those that are receiving the refugees, over a million people who have now left Ukraine and given the situation, we ask your blessing on all of those and, and those that are serving uh, those refugees as well. We just ask for your will to be done in that situation, for peace to return and for you to be given the glory for that peaceful outcome. Lord, bless us as we continue our time here together in worship. May it be pleasing to you, and may your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hear the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 28. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the son and of the holy spirit let's continue our time in worship this morning
1: let the king of my heart be the heart. Praise the Lord in heaven's eyes.
3: we enter into this time of communion this morning, we're going to sing one more song and then Jerry Smith will come and lead us this morning around the bread and around the cup.
4: Good morning, October 1980, junior high basketball tryouts. I had been working on my jump shot all summer long on my driveway, uh, practicing those driving layups without hitting the car in the garage, uh, doing the fading, fade back shots, jumping over the curb by the sidewalk. Hitting a thousand game winning, buzzing, beating points, winning the NBA championship 12 times, I was ready for these tryouts. I walk into the gym after school and I look around and I got that really bad feeling in my stomach. I noticed that I was the smallest, scrawniest kid there, and they had not one but two guys that were already over six foot. I went through the day. It was a two days of tryouts. At the end of the first day, the coach came over, took me by the arm, guided me over to the corner of the gym and said, Jerry, I love your attitude and I love your hustle. You're not going to make the team. Don't come back tomorrow. And like any junior high guy, my main concern was to get out of there without anyone seeing me cry because I was devastated. I thought I was so good at basketball And had done all this work and all this preparation. But when it came down to the competition, came down to actual life, I just wasn't as good as I thought it was. And isn't it like that with our spiritual life sometimes? We're walking along, we're doing great. We have a really good time of, of spiritual growth and enjoyment. We get out and life happens. And we crack and we crumble and we realize we're not maybe as good as we think we are. Fortunately, God knows that. And He had a plan for us, because in 2 Corinthians 5, He talks about how He wants to reconcile us back to Him. And this is the way He did it. He says, for our sake, He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. Our sin went to him so that we can be better than we really are. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the grace and mercy you give us through Jesus to cover our sin, to cover the way that we're not as good as we should be. And you love us so much that you forgive us and you call us to be more than we could be through you and through Jesus. Thank you for that blessing and through him we pray. Amen. Sometimes we're the other way. Sometimes we feel like we're not good enough at all. Sometimes life gets really hard. Sometimes we're so lonely. We're just so depressed. We're so worried about our finances or our family or jobs or all these other things that just crush us. And that just take away our joy and take away our hope. Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians 12 as well. He says, But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ will rest upon me. For when I'm weak, God makes me strong. And that, my friends, is Hope that we can all grab onto. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus and the hope that you've given us and knowing for certain that, that you're there for us, that you love us, that you care for us, and that you will never, never leave us. It's through him we pray. Amen.
3: Good morning everybody. Thank you Jerry for those words. weren't those great words? I love Jesus. I love that we get to worship him. Not only does he not only is he with us when we're weak and struggling, but the word of God says he actually uses his power in special ways. One of the ways we see it here is in our ministry to people who are hurting. Uh, God allows us to minister to people in all sorts of life situations. They're big and public, you know, news channel, Ukraine stuff. We're going to take up a collection next week for refugees. Just a horrible, horrible situation over there. Most of the time, it's behind the scenes. It's quiet. Uh, One of those ministries here at uh, Preston Crest is our benevolence ministry. Great people involved in that, quietly helping so many folks who are part of our family who are passing through a season that's difficult or also reaching out into our community and helping our neighbors who are going through a difficult season. So let's pray right now for that ministry and so many others. God, we want to lift up the name of Jesus, and we know, God, that one of the ways you've called us to do that is by loving people made in your image. And so help us as we love people In the name of Jesus, blessed all the ministries, God, of this church. They will bring glory and honor to you as we share your love with the world around us. We pray this in his name. Amen. Hello church family, I'm Kirk Ellison. Part of your giving each week goes to the good works of this church in the form of member and community benevolence. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 6, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There are members of our church family and of our community that are hurting, that are dealing with burdens they can't handle, financial, physical, emotional burdens. Some are on the verge of losing hope, losing home, and are in despair. It's through your giving each week that the Preston Crest Benevolence Ministry exhibits Christ-like compassion to the best of its abilities through prayerful requests to be good stewards, prayerful requests to share the good news of the hope that is in Jesus to those that are in despair. It's because of your giving that this ministry can do its work. May God bless you in your giving. Thank you. Church, let's stand. Let's uh, we're going to send kids on up to children's church right now, and then we're going to sing one more song as Gordon's getting ready to come back up here and share with us this morning. Lord, I
1: come.
3: PC 101 this morning. A lot of new people joining our church family here at Preston Crest. That is always exciting. I think we had 37 this morning, so that was a good good turnout. And uh, welcome to the family if you were part of PC 101 today. And if you're not part of Preston Crest and want to be, you'll get another chance. We'll do it here in a few months, probably June-ish. Uh, we'll get a date set and let you know when the next one is going to be. Uh, really, the big news of the day, though, is today, March the 6th, is our wedding anniversary, 29 years today. So, yeah. Applause for her for putting up with me for 29 years. Uh, Looking forward to what's coming next for sure. Evangelism, (laughs) that's a word that for a lot of Christians kind of makes the knees start shaking a little bit. Uh, Maybe they break out in a cold sweat a little bit. Evangelism is a scary idea for a lot of believers. I've got some good news this morning about the good news. You don't have to be anxious and you, yes, you can be effective in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people around you. We will be talking about that over the next three weeks in the Speak Up series. If you are a Christian today, it is highly likely that you came to faith because of another person Someone or someones, more likely, influenced your spiritual journey and brought you to Jesus. It might have been a parent or a grandparent reading Bible stories to you when you were small. It might have been a neighbor inviting you to church. It might have been a coworker inviting you to their small group Bible study at their home. But almost always... The gospel travels through people, through friendships, through work relationships, through family relationships. And so in this Speak Up message series, we're going to be learning about how that works and how we can, without fear, begin to share our story and more importantly, share his story. The conversation this morning starts in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, Jesus encountered one of the most improbable and at the same time, one of the most effective evangelists in the early days of the Christian movements. And in this story, we get to see how Jesus uses someone, a regular someone, in fact, someone with a good deal of baggage, to share the faith with people that she knew. She exemplifies this woman in John chapter 4, an important truth that the gospel has and does and will spread most effectively through personal relationships. So here we go. John begins telling us about this encounter with a phrase that is interesting when you think about it. It is John chapter 4, verse 4. He, Jesus, had to pass through Samaria. Had to pass through Samaria. So he and his disciples, Jesus and his entourage, they are going south to north. Judea up to Galilee, where most of them were from. And John says they had to go through Samaria, but did they? Not really. In fact, 99% of Jews would have taken one of the other routes from Judea to Samarian to Samaria. The Jews did not like the Samaritans as a group, and vice versa. Thank you very much. They did not associate with the other group, and vice versa. But Jesus, according to John, had to go through Samaria. Why? It kind of begs the question. Because there was something that needed to happen in Samaria. And so on the outskirts of a Samaritan village, Sychar, Jesus stopped at Jacob's well. He was thirsty. He sent his apostles into town to buy provisions. And that's when she showed up about noon, all alone alone carrying a jar to collect water. And Jesus struck up a conversation with, as she know, she's known for ages since, the woman at the well. Um, he was thirsty, and he knew that she was thirsty for living water, for a deeper connection with God, and for something to fill the emptiness in her life. And so this connection... He had to go through Samaria because he had to make a connection with this individual and through her with many others. By the way, she was, verse 9, quite shocked. I mean, men did not speak with women if they were strangers in public. Samaritans certainly weren't speaking to Jews, and Jews weren't speaking to Samaritans. This guy is a Jewish rabbi. He's talking to her. She said, you do know I'm a Samaritan. And you're a Jew, right? So why are we having this conversation? Why are you talking with me? And now Jesus, in this conversation that he initiates, Jesus doesn't come out swinging. Jesus does not call out the sinful pattern in her life. There was one. He doesn't wag his finger at her and tell her everything that she needs to fix about her life. What he does is ask, sir, for a very small favor. Now, Christians, this is a good thing. I applaud this. We are very often looking to do the favor. We're looking to serve. We're looking to help. We're looking out for needs constantly. But I would tell you, there is also incredible power in lowering yourself, humbling yourself, elevating the other person, saying, I could use your help. Could you do a favor for me? And here, that's how the whole life-changing conversation gets started. Jesus asks for a favor. Can you get me some water? I'm thirsty. Now, let me ask you a, a, a question this morning. Do you think Jesus could have gotten himself a cup of water? Do you think the one who turned water into wine could have gotten himself a cup of water? Do you think the one who walked on water... Could have gotten himself, do you think the one who raised the dead back to life, who healed all, do you think Jesus, who multiplied bread to feed thousands, could he have gotten himself a couple? Yeah, I think he could have, could have managed that. But he honors her, he lowers himself by saying, I need you. You can do something for me. And through that simple request, this massive cultural divide. The hostility of centuries kind of falls away and it's just one person helping another person. There's a back and forth that follows a conversation. In fact, this is one of the most detailed conversations that we have that Jesus ever had with anyone. It's right here in John chapter 4 between him and her. And he wants to invite her into the kingdom. He wants her to be saved. He offers her living water and and she gets kind of cagey. She's obviously obviously a little bit nervous. And so she begins to ask some questions that appear to be kind of detour or decoy questions. Let's change the subject. Like verse 9, why are you, a Jew, talking to me, a Samaritan? And then she asks him in verse 20, you Jewish people believe that we are supposed to worship in Jerusalem. We, the Samaritan people, believe we're supposed to worship right here on this mountain. So who's right about that? And, and this one's funny. I mean, you've got to have a little sense of humor when you read the Bible sometimes. In verse 26, this is just funny. She says, Well, I guess someday when the Messiah shows up, he'll answer these big questions that we have. Now, that's just funny. So, when God opens the door to share your story with somebody, share the gospel with someone, it is not uncommon. For questions to get asked, they may be hard questions, they may be sincere questions, or they may be decoy questions. Why are there so many denominations? (laughs) What happens if, if someone has never heard the gospel? Is God going to send them to hell? Why has religion caused so much harm over the centuries? Questions, questions, questions. And I love the way Jesus is always taking her questions back to the gospel, the good news. And we can do the same. You don't ignore the question. Quick answer back to the gospel. Quick answer back to the gospel. Rather than ignoring someone's question, we address it quickly and get back to the gospel. That's what he did. All right. The Messiah. (laughs) The Messiah is coming Verse 26, someday, what if I told you the one you're talking to right now is the Christ, the Messiah? When we share the gospel, the Spirit of God is at work. Whether it feels that way to you or not, whether you have all the answers or not, the Spirit of the Lord is working in that moment because there is nothing Jesus wants more than to call sinners to repentance, than to call the lost back home to the Father. And so the Spirit of the Word, Lord is working. It doesn't guarantee that that person is going to come to faith in Jesus. It doesn't guarantee that they're going to say, hey, uh, there's water. Can I be baptized right now? It doesn't guarantee that they're going to want to come to church with you next Sunday. But just know the Spirit is working. In her case, she was so convicted that he was who he claimed to be, that he was the Messiah, that she drops the water jug, doesn't about face, sprints back to town, tells her neighbors and friends, you know what? I think I might have just met the promised Messiah. Verses 28 and 30, the woman left her water jar, went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Obviously a prophet. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town, the townspeople, they went out of the town and were coming to him. What happened was incredible, and it became a two-day revival with the Son of God. Verse 39, many Samaritans. By the way, this phrase is just remarkable in and of itself. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him. Why? At first, at least, because of her. Because she spoke up, because of the woman's testimony, he told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. Many more believed because of his word. Now they're locked on to Jesus. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Wow. So she was a bridge between people and Jesus. Her message got them to Jesus. And then he was able to deliver his message of salvation. Our story, by the way, our story. You have a story. I have a story. It may be dramatic and exciting. It may be pretty mundane, but it's your story to tell. Your story is not the destination. My story is not the destination. Your story is is an important bridge between another person and Jesus. Your story is a way to get them to hear his story. She did her job. She spoke up. Many Christians don't think they know enough. Don't think they're qualified or look around and say, there's so many other people who are more gifted than I am at sharing their faith. So I'm just going to kind of hang back. I would say take a look at her. Her life was a train wreck. I mean, if you're choosing people to lead other people to Christ, I don't know that she would be your first selection, right? improbable evangelist and one of the most effective of the New Testament. Her story, well, what we know about it was five failed marriages currently shacked up with some guy. That was her story. Not a theologian. We have no reason to believe that she was a gifted speaker a salesperson. All we have is she shows up in town and said, I met this guy. Seems like a prophet. Maybe he's the Messiah. She spoke up. Nine times out of ten, it is through a personal relationship that the good news of Jesus travels. And I bet that is how Most of us got here today. If you're a believer today, somebody brought you to Jesus. Somebody, or more likely somebody's, were the bridges across which the good news traveled. That good news that Jesus, the Son of God, so loved us that he came into this world. He offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins for whoever believes. And now we have a hope of eternal life because we've put our faith in Jesus. But it all started with somebody. Somebody who spoke up. Relationships are the bridges over which the gospel most easily travels. I was thinking this morning about Isla and myself. 29 years of marriage today. And you know the first time I asked her out on a date. I couldn't really ask her on a date. Because she was dating a guy. Chance was his name. So what do you do? When... You can't ask her out because she's dating a guy. Um, You ask her to a Bible study. (laughs) You offer to give a ride to her, to the Bible study. And then after a few trips to the Bible study, she was not a believer at that point. After a few trips to the Bible study, I said, by the way, if you ever break up with Chance, let me know. Keep me in the loop. She did, and here we are 29 years later. But anyways... (laughs) Obviously, she responded to Jesus, not just, not just to me, and she's one of the most amazing disciples I know. But I was thinking, too, about our story. Uh, this is kind of a segue, but just talking about relationships and how the gospel travels, um, Isla will relate to this. There have been some details changed to protect the innocent and the guilty, but we were the, we were the go-to pet sitters for this friend of ours named Maggie for years. Maggie had five cats. And when she would travel, we were the ones that came over and took care of her beloved cats. Um, and they were, for the most part, sweet. Um, they were pretty easy for the most I mean, we would just go over a couple times a day, put food out every other day, change the litter boxes out and stuff like that. Pretty routine stuff. But there was one hiccup in the whole situation, and his name was Ernie. <laughs> Ernie was a cross-eyed Siamese cat. With a bad attitude and a slew of health problems. A couple of pills that Ernie needed. And according to Maggie, this was a life or death thing. you got to make sure Ernie gets his pills. But it's not, it's not going to be hard. not going to be hard. When you guys come over, put the key in the door and open the door, Ernie along with the other cats will come running. He loves people. He's so sweet. And then you just kind of pop him in there, you know, pry the jaw open, pop him in, no big deal. He's going to love you guys. Yeah, you can see where this is headed. (laughs) Not so much. (laughs) It was kind of like we were special forces at some point where you had to track Ernie down. There was stealth, there was deception, and then there was kind of shock and awe power that had to come into play to get him his medicine. But we would go by to feed the cats, and sure enough, we would open the front door, and four out of the five would come running to us, you know, kind of rub against our legs and meow. They wanted their food, but they also wanted some love. It was pretty sweet, you know. And Ernie, on the other hand, saw us as the enemy, and he had that dialed in from the beginning. We never saw him when we opened the door. He was never there. He would go into hiding and he was really good <laughs> at hiding. So it was usually me and Claudia, my daughter, going over. And so we would feed the cats, we would change the litter boxes, and then we would begin to search for Ernie. And I am a little embarrassed about how much of that house we had to search. <laughs> Closets, under the beds, under the armoire, behind, the, behind uh, exercise equipment, one time underneath the treadmill. He was incredible at hiding. We would wear work gloves because any contact with him, you were going to get scratched, you were going to get bitten. That's just the way it was. And so we would search and search and search. Sometimes we never found him. Apparently those pills were not life and death because he, <laughs> he survived. But we would search at least 15 minutes for Ernie. And then when we found him, no, he didn't come when you called him. He didn't come if you dangled a treat in front of him. What was required, if he was like underneath the bed, was a a broom handle to poke him out. You had to poke Ernie out while someone else was waiting for him with a towel. And you would envelop him. You would kind of like constrain him with the towel so that you didn't get injured. And then you would pry open, stuff the pills down, and release him. And he would instantly disappear. This was Ernie. And this, this, oh, I was so glad when she came home. When Maggie came back, so good. And when she came back, she would inevitably ask us, So, how did everything go? (laughs) Just fine. Just fine. We made it. You know, though. <laughs> to this day, I'm not sure who was more traumatized by the process, Ernie or us. I don't know. But her words still echo in my mind. It's easy. He loves people. He's going to come running to you. And we've been pet sitters for a lot of folks right now. We're pet sitting a dog, just a wonderful dog. We're enjoying him very much. I think he has to go home today. Kind of sad for us. But I do believe that Maggie told us the truth about her experience with her Siamese cat, Ernie. I do believe he loved her. He came running to her. I believe he gladly took this life and death medicine that he needed with her. I do believe there wasn't a lot of drama involved in her relationship with him. Why? Because she had a relationship with him. She knew him. He knew her. They had been through this song and dance a long time. He knew that she had his back. How did the gospel spread so quickly? In John 4, it spread through a relationship. She knew the townspeople. She knew, they knew the good, the bad, and the ugly about her. How did the gospel move around the first century world so quickly? Through relationships, families, friendships, one person to another, one person sharing their story. Look at what Jesus did for me. The good news isn't shared through coercion or headlocks or manipulation. It's shared with love, in relationship, person to person, friend to friend. And there are a lot of ways, by the way, a lot of ways to share Jesus. Our little series here is not going to get into all the different ways. I don't know that there is an exhaustive list of all the ways that you can share Jesus. There is not a one-size-fits-all approach to evangelism. Over time, the methods change. Over time, the approaches change. The message doesn't. The good news doesn't change. But all that other stuff changes. But there is always a common denominator beyond just the message, and that is a willingness to share, an availability, to speak up for Jesus. The Samaritan woman was a bridge between people she knew and the Savior of the world. And this has been going on since the beginning. In John chapter 1, we hear about the very first people who came to faith in Jesus. John 1, 40 to 45, Andrew... Peter's brother, Simon, Peter's brother. Andrew was one of these men who heard what John said, what John the Baptist said, and he then followed Jesus. What did Andrew do? Andrew went to find his brother. He went to find Peter. He told him, we have found the Messiah. Andrew brought Simon, brought Peter to meet Jesus. He was the bridge there. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, which happened to be Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael, so his friend. He told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. So you're seeing how this works, right? John tells Andrew... Andrew tells Peter, and then Philip from their hometown goes and finds Nathaniel to tell them about Jesus. This is all about relationships. This is how this works. None of these guys had a PhD in religion. None of them. I mean, what we know about them at one point in the gospel, these guys are called uneducated Galileans, just fishermen. But they were willing to speak up. They were willing to invite. They were willing to put in a good word for Jesus. And Jesus did the rest. A final word, and I think this is important. Um, I think one reason so many people get so stressed out about evangelism is frankly they overestimate their own importance in the process. Like, what if I don't have exactly the right words? You won't. Let's just get that out of the way. You won't. Uh, what if I'm asked a question that I don't have an answer to? Uh, that's probably going to happen. But let's be clear about something. Don't take this personally. <laughs> but evangelism isn't about you. You are not the object. You are a bridge, not a destination. And the power is not you, the power is the gospel. Just look at the Samaritan woman. Look at Andrew. Look at Peter. Look at Nathaniel. Look at the Apostle Paul, who is probably the most effective sharer of the gospel in the history of the world. And the Apostle Paul makes it clear, it's not about me. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. He's almost saying, look, if I had done this amazing, slick presentation, it kind of takes something away from the gospel. But you guys know me, I'm not slick. I'm not eloquent. So the glory goes to God, and the power is obviously from somewhere outside of me. And that's the way evangelism works. It's not our brilliance It's not our educations and our eloquence that impacts the lives around us. It is the gospel, the power of God. And so we are responsible to be witnesses. Witnesses speak up. They share their story. Whether somebody ends up putting their faith in Jesus, whether someone ends up being baptized into Jesus, whether someone ends up placing membership at the church— that, that's between them and the Lord, right? That's not something that we determine. We are responsible to speak up. So Romans one sixteen, we will finish here. Um, seems like a good place for us to land today. Paul wrote these words to this church in the center of power of the ancient world. Christians in Rome, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is, it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. Read that with me if you would. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. So are you available? Are you willing to speak up for Jesus. And this morning, maybe it's your day to cross that line of faith, to say yes to the gospel story, to join yourself to Jesus and his movement. Maybe you need to be baptized this morning into Christ. We would love to help you with that. Maybe you're here this morning and you need the prayers of this church. We would love to pray over you. Mike and I will be down here available to pray with you, over you. But let's all right now stand and let's respond to God with worship.
1: Lord I, come, I confess,
2: Thank you, Gordon. Thank you, John Scott and uh, Jerry for your part uh, this morning in our worship. We are truly blessed to have been here today. Uh, Really quickly, I want to thank everyone uh, for the thoughts, calls, texts, Facebook posts, flowers, many, many cookies uh, that have arrived at our house over the last few weeks uh, with the passing of my mom. I really do appreciate the, the love and support of this congregation, and I don't know how uh, when we go through loss, if, if we don't have God, how we go through. But we do with the joy and knowledge uh, and, and, and of knowing exactly where she is. So I'm thankful for all of you for that. Uh, come back tonight. We've got Jacob uh, bringing our lesson out of Genesis chapter 18, continuing uh, the study of Genesis, which our kids across the street are doing as part of LTC. So please come back here tonight for that. Uh, JJ Klein is going to close us out with a reading of Scripture. This is part of his LTC, uh, what all he's doing for LTC as well. So hear the word of the Lord from JJ. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 through
1: 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel,
2: for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And the church said? Nice job. Well done.